from the first chapter of Zephaniah. And sorry again if I get some of the words uh, mixed up. There's some big, big names in here. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, during the reign of Josiah, son of Amon, king of Judah. I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both men and animals. I will sweep away the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. The wicked will have only heaps of rubble when I cut off man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem. I will cut off from this place every remnant of Baal, the names of the pagan and the idolatrous priests, those who bow, those who bow down on the roofs to worship the starry host, those who bow down and swear by the Lord, and who also swear by Moloch, those who turn back from following the Lord and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of him. Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited. On the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the, son, uh, punish the princes and the king's sons and all those clad in foreign clothes. On that day, I will punish all who avoid stepping on the threshold, who fill the temple of their gods with violence and deceit. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will go up from the fish gate, wailing from the new quarter and a loud crash from the hills. Wail, you who live in the market district. All your merchants will be wiped out. All who trade with silver will be ruined. At the time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. Their wealth will be plundered, their houses demolished, they will build houses but not live in them. They will plant vineyards but not drink the wine. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. Listen, I, the cry on, on the day of the Lord will be bitter and shouting of the warrior there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I will bring distress on the people and they will walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like filth. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole world will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live in the earth. Thanks be to God. John. Uh, good evening again everybody. Uh, let, me, um, let me pray first before we begin. 
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. As we think about your word that we have heard read tonight, we pray that you would work in the hearts and minds of each one of us, that we would hear your word, not as the word of men, but as it actually is your word, the very word of the living God. Please may it impact us that we would trust in you. Amen. Well, I'm going to talk tonight about a topic that many Aussies find pretty unpopular, which is the topic of God's judgement. And I guess I can understand why a lot of Aussies might find it you know, the topic of judgement not so good because it's so judgmental as far as they're concerned. The topic of judgement is a very difficult one for many people to think about. People say, the sort of God I like to think of is a God who is loving and kind, not a God who gets angry or punishes people or who is judgmental. But the question I want us to think about tonight is what is God actually like? What does God say he is actually like? Does God say that he judges people? Because if he does, then it doesn't matter whether you or I feel uncomfortable with the topic of judgment or maybe don't like it. If God says that he judges, if that's reality, then it's something we need to think about and deal with. So I'm going to get straight to it. Here is the Christian message in a nutshell. Christians believe that Jesus will save us from God's judgment to come. We believe that Jesus will save us from God's judgment to come. Again, I know it's not fashionable to talk about judgment outside of church these days, so it's fortunate that we're in a church tonight. But I realise that the topic of God's judgment, the end of the world, is the sort of thing that is in nutterdom, that you know, nutters talk about. People think of the guy in the street with the A4 placard or holding a sign that says, the end is nigh. So, you know, talking about judgment and the end of the world is seen as a bit crazy, but it shouldn't be. For the Bible is very clear that there is a God, a God who is loving and good and that that God made you and made me, that our world is not an accident, that it didn't happen by chance, but that God made this world. And that's something that still in surveys we find the majority of people still believe, that there is a God who made the world. When I was at university, I was studying medicine and uh, we studied anatomy and physiology and uh, we don't have time and I've probably forgotten it all, but if I could tell you the amazing way that our bodies are put together and the way they work is absolutely mind-blowing. And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that at the end of our anatomy and physiology courses, there were no atheists left in my year in medicine because to think that our body could be put together like that by chance is just ludicrous. That we're put together by purpose and design seemed obvious to all of us who were studying anatomy and physiology. And the Bible, not surprisingly, says that that's right. There is a God, he is good, He is the one who made you and me with a purpose and he made the world that we see around us. And that's not such an unreasonable or crazy thing to think. But you see, it's just a very short step from there 
to talk about judgment and the end of the world. Because if God made the world, God can unmake the world. And that's what the day of judgment is about. One day, the Bible says, God will bring this creation and all people living in this world to an end. It's something that's called the judgment day that is spoken about throughout the Bible and is spoken about in the passage that was just read to us from Zephaniah chapter 1. Zephaniah was a prophet who lived six and a half centuries before Jesus, so about 650 BC. And uh, verse 1 of Zephaniah, uh, you can look at it in the Bibles if you've still got it open there, it will come up on the uh, screen. Uh, Verse 1 of Zephaniah chapter 1 says that this is the word of the Lord. That is that God actually spoke what we just read. Again, I think some people find that sort of hard to swallow, but I don't know why. God made us, he made us with a brain, he made us with mouths, he gave us the ability to speak. God is not less than us, of course he's far greater than us, so of course God can speak and does speak. He doesn't speak when we demand that he should, but God has spoken at certain times to certain people who are called prophets and the words that God said to them are written down in the Bible for us. And that's what Zephaniah is. Zephaniah is one of the prophets that God spoke to and what we just read is the very word of God that he spoke. So let's see what it says. Verse 2. Verse 2, God says, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both men and animals. I will sweep away the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. The wicked will have only heaps of rubble when I cut off man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. That's a very clear and unambiguous statement, isn't it? Three times in those verses God says he will sweep away everything that he has made. Which is a a pretty horrific statement. It's saying there is a day coming when God will bring an end to this world and everything in it. He will sweep away, he says, from the face of the earth, people, animals, birds, fish, everything. He says he will cut off mankind from the face of the earth. God is saying here he will one day bring an end to this world and everyone who lives in it, which is called Judgment Day. Judgment Day is something that Christians believe in, something Jews believe in, something Muslims believe in. There are millions, in fact billions of people in this world who believe in this, a judgment day of God, that one day the world will come to an end. Now again, I realise that uh, this is not only the last thing most Aussies want to hear but uh, something they're not going to believe by and large because people say, as I suggested, my God would not get angry with people or punish people or judge them. My God is a loving God, he's kind and good, he doesn't judge. Maybe that's how you're thinking here tonight. And the God of the Bible is, of course, loving and good and we're going to hear much more about that in a moment. God is loving and good. But he's also the God of justice. And as you think about this with me for the next few minutes, I hope you'll see that God being a God of justice is actually a very good thing. Most people hate the opposite. They hate injustice. At the moment, we've seen in the last couple of months on TV, 
terrible things happening in Nigeria where we've seen the terrorist group Boko Haram kidnap girls from their high school to sell them as sex slaves. People see that as a gross injustice. They don't think it's okay. They don't want to sweep it under the carpet. They want those girls rescued and they want those terrorists brought to trial and punished for what they've done. We want justice. Could you imagine if those terrorists were caught and they were brought before a judge in front of the parents of those girls and the judge said, I'm just a loving and kind person. I don't like getting angry with people or judging them. Let's just let bygones be bygones and let's just let the terrorists go and do nothing about this. It doesn't really matter what they did. It's unimaginable. Why would we think that God would be like that? God's not like that. He cares about justice. He is angry with injustice and that's a good thing. God cares when somebody does something wrong to you. He cares when somebody says something wrong to you. And I think that's a good thing. I get angry when I see things that are done wrong on TV. Um, uh, Very sadly, we often see uh, pictures on TV of children starving in Africa. I've seen it on the TV this very week. But one of the things that I saw a while back that made me really angry was that there was enough food given for these starving children in Africa. It was given by international aid, but the terrorists were stopping the food from getting to the children so they were dying. That makes me angry. I hope it makes you angry. And I'm sure it makes God angry. God is a God of justice. He is angry with injustice. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a comfort to know that if those Boko Haram terrorists who have kidnapped those girls, that if they're not caught and brought to justice, that they will stand before God in judgement. I think that's a good thing, that God will punish them for what they've done. The passage we read in Zephaniah chapter 1 says God does punish people for the wrong things they do. Three times, in fact, in that chapter, it says that God will punish In verse 8, God says, I will punish the princes and the king's sons. Even the top levels of leadership can't abuse their leadership and get away with it. The very next verse, verse 9, God says, on that day I will punish. Uh, Verse 12, a third time, God says, at that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think, The Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. It's an interesting verse, that one, verse 12. Uh, It's not actually saying that God will punish just terrorists, but those who are complacent. It's not what you'd think of normally. God will punish the apathetic, it's saying. He will punish people who think God doesn't do anything, either good or bad. God's not going to judge the world. The world's gone on like it always has. It's not going to come to an end. God won't judge the world. The Bible says God will judge the world, that he'll punish those who have done wrong and he'll punish those who are apathetic who think he won't judge the world. 
But verse 12 says more than that. It's a picture here of a very thorough judgment. It says God will search out Jerusalem with lamps. Sort of picture God searching out every nook and cranny, saying there is no wrong thing that people have done or that people have said that God won't punish because in his judgment it will be a complete, total, thorough judgment a perfect judgment, not just for the terrorists and murderers and pedophiles, but for every wrong thing that anyone has done. Because God has seen every wrong thing that anyone has done. He's God. So everyone, including you and me, who has ever said something wrong or done something wrong, this is saying God knows it and will judge for it. A complete perfect, thorough judgment. Most Aussies actually like Jesus. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say anything bad about Jesus and most Aussies would say Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus the good teacher is actually the person who talks most about judgment in the Bible. We've got a verse coming up on the overhead from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. This is what Jesus says about judgment day. He says, I tell you that people will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. On judgment day we'll be held to account for every careless word that you and I have spoken. I don't know about you but I often put a size 10 foot in my mouth. Uh, I was thinking about telling you a couple of the things that I've said but you'll probably think about them for the next five minutes so I'm not going to. I've said so many things wrong. The idea of standing before God in judgement and him playing back every wrong thing I've ever said to somebody, I don't even want to think about it. Jesus says, I tell you that people will have to give account on the day of judgement for every careless word they have spoken. Uh, Here's another thing Jesus says uh, up on the overhead there from Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 7. He says, What comes out of the person is what makes them unclean. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a person unclean. That was from our first reading. Uh, Look at that list of sins Jesus mentions. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, greed, deceit, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. I don't know about you but I can go down that list and tick off most of those sins as things that I've done. And Jesus is saying there that It's not imposed on us by society around us. It's not imposed on us by our lack of education or the upbringing we had from our parents, but it's actually something that comes from within us, from inside us, from our hearts, that I'm like that, you're like that. Uh, I often don't want to be like that. I actually want to do what is right and say what is right and I should all the time, but I don't and you don't because there's something wrong with me and you inside us. Our hearts are not right with God. I've hurt people by what I've said and done. So have you. And God's judgement, this is saying, is thorough. 
He'll judge you and me for every careless word we have spoken, for every wrong thing we have done. He won't sweep it under the carpet. He cares about the people we have hurt. He cares about when people have hurt us. How do you handle statements like this about God's judgement? How do you handle this whole difficult topic, which it is, of God's judgement? It's hard to hear, isn't it? I think there's three ways in which you can handle it. And the first one is you could deny it. You could just deny that there is a God and there's no God. It cuts out the whole problem of judgement. Or you could deny if there is a God, most people still do believe in God, you could deny that he'll judge. Denial's a powerful thing. Again, going back to my med student days, we dealt with the uh, very horrible and sad cases of uh, some women with breast cancer who go into denial. Uh, They start off with a small lump in their breast and they just deny it. And the lump grows and it gets bigger and bigger and it can get to the point where it's coming out of the skin and they'll look in the mirror and they just won't see it because denial is that powerful. And the sad thing is that they can deny it until it's too late because if they'd actually admitted it, then they could have been treated and been saved. And it's like that for us and the judgement of God. Denying it won't make it go away but we might deny it until it's too late for us to have the cure, which I'm going to mention in just a moment. I know for some people they go even further than denial and actually think the topic of judgment is immoral. What is this, being brought to church to hear about God's judgment and the end of the world? If you were at the beach this summer and there were sharks in the water, would you want to be warned? If there were lifesavers at the beach and they knew that we're sharks in the water, should they warn people? Would that be immoral? Would it be immoral if they scared people by telling them there were sharks in the water? Obviously, they should be shouting it out that don't go in the water, there's sharks there. What would you think of somebody in denial who said, well, that's all very well for you to believe in sharks in the water, but I don't believe in sharks in the water, so I'm going in. See, God's judgment is real and we will face his judgment. And it's not immoral to warn people about judgment. It's immoral not to warn people of judgment. Could you imagine if the lifesavers knew there were sharks in the water and just decided not to say anything? God does love all the people he has made. He doesn't want anyone to perish in judgement. And that's why he warns people. In Zephaniah's day, God didn't just judge people, he warned them of his judgement through Zephaniah. The Bible is still the number one best-selling book in the world. There are Bibles everywhere, there are churches everywhere. God is shouting from the rooftops his warning about judgement. And I guess... We could deal with it by denying it but it won't make it go away and it won't make it any less real but it might come to a point where it's too late to receive the cure. So I would want to plead with you tonight, please don't deny God's judgement. 
The second response, though, is that we might not deny God's judgment or God, but we might deny God's judgment for us. So we might say, yeah, I do believe in God's judgment, but it's just for really bad people, the sort of Hitlers and Stalins of the world. Yes, for terrorists, pedophiles, murderers, but I'm a good person. And uh, maybe if I met you compared to people around you, you are very good and I might agree that you are a good person. But that doesn't mean that God won't judge you because his standards are not to be better than a terrorist or a pedophile. God is perfectly good and so not surprisingly his standard is perfect goodness and you and I fall far short of his standards. Think of it this way, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment of God was and he gave the first top two commandments. He said the first one is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. That is that we should put God before everything else. I mean, actually what most of us do is we say, I I don't want God running my life, I want to run my life the way I want. I am the boss of me. I don't want God being the boss of me. And this is saying we should love God and put him first before our husband, before our wife, putting God first before our parents, putting him first before our children, putting him first before our work and career, before our own lives. And I can tell you I don't do that. And... I would have thought you don't do that either. That's the first commandment that we've broken. The second commandment Jesus said is we should love other people like ourselves. Uh, There's a few people I know who are pretty irritating and annoying. Family, work colleagues, friends, it's probably the same for you. I don't love them as I love myself, I can tell you that. I, I have not kept this second commandment either and I doubt you have. In fact, I think if we go through a list of God's commandments, we'll find we haven't kept most of them. Jesus said we'll be judged for every careless word we've spoken. We'll be judged for deceit, envy, arrogance, folly. God's judgment will be perfect and thorough, not just for the terrorists and pedophiles, but for every one of us, for every wrong word we've spoken, and every wrong thing we have done. We will face God's judgement. But the good news of Christianity is you don't need to face God's judgement. The Christian message, I said it at the beginning, is very simple. Jesus will save us from God's judgement to come. That's the Christian message. Jesus will save us from God's judgement to come. God is a God of justice, but he is, yes, a God of love. Loving, kind and good beyond our wildest imaginations. He sent his son Jesus into the world to die on a cross to take that judgment you and I deserve on himself. See, the penalty for sin is death. Uh, It makes sense to me. God is the author of life. God is the one who gives you and me life. It's why we're living and breathing, hopefully still at the moment. And I push God away, as I said before. We say, I don't want you running my life, God. And I push him away and he gives us what we want, which is life without him. Life without the source of life, God, is death. Eternal death. The penalty for sin is death. And God took that penalty, placed it on Jesus He took that penalty of death and judgment in our place. Uh, There's a true story, apparently. It gets um, 
taken out in sermons like this, but I'm sure it's true, where a woman was caught for speeding and she was taken before a judge and he didn't sweep what she'd done under the carpet. She was speeding in the car and he said that she's guilty and he fined her for speeding. That was her punishment. But then after that, he took out a checkbook, wrote out a check for her fine and gave it to her because she was his daughter. And that's like what God does with us. He doesn't sweep under the carpet the wrong things we have said and done. He says the penalty for it is death. And then he writes out a cheque and pays for it in full by giving his son Jesus to die your death and mine in our place. It's amazing love that God has for you and me that he would do that for us so that Jesus takes our judgement on himself instead of it falling on us. It was a moving story we heard from Philip tonight. Philip and your Christian friend or family member who brought you here tonight have accepted what God has done for them. It's like God is holding out to us a free ticket into heaven paid for in full by the death of Jesus and they've accepted what God has done for them. And I presume that if they go for a surf at the beach and they're told there's sharks in the water, they don't go in. And when God has said that we are facing his judgement and that the punishment for his judgement is sin, uh, sorry, punishment for our sin is judgement and that he's paid for that in full by the death of Jesus, they've accepted it, which I think is a beautiful thing. And that's the third and last response to hearing about God's judgement. Not that we deny God's judgement, not that we say we're good and that we won't be judged, but that we accept we do deserve God's judgement and then accept what God has done for us in giving Jesus to die on the cross in our place. For God's judgement day is coming and you and I will stand before him to give account for every careless word we have said, for everything we have said and done wrong. And when that day comes, if you trust in Jesus, you'll be spared God's judgement. Not because you're good, not because the Christian club is better than the Jewish or the Muslim club, but because Jesus has paid the penalty for your sins. If you trust in him, you'll be spared God's judgement. Many people who are here tonight have heard this message before and I know have put their trust in Jesus. I want to ask, if you haven't accepted it before, will you accept what God has done for you? Will you accept Jesus' death on the cross that has paid for your sins? Will you turn to God and accept what he's done? I hope you do. I hope you won't go into denial and that you'll accept it. Uh, If you're wondering how do you do that, by the way, if you're not sure, it's simply by praying to God and asking him for his forgiveness. Um, I've got a little booklet here that I've brought tonight, which I know they'll have at this church, and in the back of this booklet is a half-page prayer that uh, asks God for forgiveness. If you pray that, it's what I prayed when I became a Christian, God will forgive you your sins. You will have eternal life. 
Um, ask the person who brought you here tonight. They'll uh, tell you what you can pray. But finally, I want to say, I know there are some people here tonight where maybe this is the first time you've heard this. And you might be thinking, well, this is fairly serious and fairly important, but I haven't heard enough and I really need to hear more and to find out more. Uh, Philip talked about how long it took for him to hear these things and think about them and it was the same for me. And uh, so if you are thinking that, I would agree with you and think, yes, you may need to find out more that's a, and that's a good thing. And I would say this is such an important topic that it's got to be worth spending an hour a week for a few weeks to find out more. So I hope if that's you that you will commit to finding out more and in a moment uh, John's going to tell us how we can do that because the church here can help you to find out more about whether this is true and whether you should put your trust in Jesus. But our hope is for every person here that you'll heed the warning of God's judgement and that you'll take the cure because he's given Jesus to die for us to save us from his judgement to come. I'm going to pray now and uh, thank God for what he's done and then I'm going to hand back to John. Our Heavenly Father, we can think of so many careless things we've said, so many wrong things we've done and worst of all that we haven't lived for you 